if you are a race car driver and you show up to a race without tuning your vehicle, there's no chance. There's no chance you're ever even going to be able to compete. Mm -hmm. If we take that analogy and we use it and we apply it to our bodies, our bodies are fascinating organisms. And if they're not tuned up and you're not aware of what's lacking or where you need to add some more, then how are you ever going to be able to perform, let alone even compete at the highest level? Welcome to Sauce Talk, a podcast about sports and the mind and living well in general. This is Billy Hansen, and today's episode is part two of an interview that I did with Dr. Ford Dyke. If you haven't heard part one, which was the last episode, episode 26, you might check that one out first. In that episode, we walk through Ford's athletic and academic background and the things that he's working on now with the athletes and students that he works with some of his research and the pillars of health and performance and specifically how mindfulness relates to health, performance, and well-being. So if you missed that episode, I'll remind you here that Ford studied psychology at the University of North Florida and then earned his PhD in kinesthesiology, sorry, kinesiology at Auburn University. And he's now a professor and the director of mindfulness-based performance and health hop and health optimization at Auburn. I'll say that again. Director of Mindfulness-Based Performance and Health Optimization at Auburn. He's also an Olympic team handball player for the United States. So in this episode, we talk more about practical implementations to a routine and to a lifestyle that can enhance health and performance. These are some of the things that Ford does in his own life and the things that he teaches his students and athletes to do, the, the people that he works with. So we talk about COVID-19 being an opportunity to make important lifestyle changes and routine changes. We talk specifically about morning routines and evening routines. We talk about getting better sleep and how sleep is kind of the master habit. We talk about cold exposure, caffeine and alcohol consumption, social media use, and mindful movement, among other topics. And then we finish by speaking about Ford's experience playing team handball for Team USA in the Olympics and how much that's meant to him. So I really enjoyed this part of the episode too. As always, if you want to support the podcast, you should send this to someone who you think might like it. You can also help me out by subscribing or leaving a review wherever you're listening to this. So without further delay, here is Dr. Ford Dyke. more things here on the outline but i'm too tempted i want to i think i'm just going to abandon them for now and see if we have time to come back to them because i want to as someone who was an athlete and now is interested in health and performance and well-being i think that i want to ask you a few questions about what kind of practical things you either instruct or or are practicing yourself Um, just some specifics on what you do to optimize health and performance. So I mentioned, you mentioned, um, starting your day off, trying to be in a more parasympathetic state with your nervous system. So what kind of things are you doing for your morning routine or what kind of things do you advise people who want to feel and perform their best to do 
when they wake up and or not to do when they wake up? Yeah, definitely. Great question. I am interested in what's on the outline too, now that you mentioned that, but let's okay. get into, okay. let's get into morning routines. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, and, and to emphasize the word routine, yeah. I don't say routine because it sounds cool. I really try to be as consistent as possible. Mm-hmm. Right. And now more than ever, it's the best time to establish a routine Yeah. because of the pandemic. So utilize this time to carve out that space in the morning. If you are working virtually and you don't have to get in the car to go to the office or wherever you're headed for your occupation, take that 10 to 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, however long you have your commute and apply that to cultivate a morning routine. That's my first suggestion for someone. Mm. My personal morning routine has gotten even more refined because of COVID-19 and Selfishly, I'm thankful for it because it's helped me perform at an even higher level. Mm. So what do I do? First of all, I don't really have an alarm because I don't think that's the best way to start your day. Mm. If you need to utilize an alarm, try to utilize something a little bit softer than most you know, typical alarming sounds. Like the word alarm just makes you feel <laughs> in sympathetic mode like I think never, about it like never oh about my alarm way. is yeah. going off like oh <laughs> alarm like i'm alarmed all right cortisol <laughs> boom right so i try to set up an environment in my in my space in my house in my residence that is conducive for optimal sleep i start my day by the night before i start my day by focusing on what i need to do to ensure that my sleep is optimized Mm-hmm. So the temperature of my space, the comfort of my space, ensuring that I've done some stretching and I've done some breathing and I've done potentially even some foam rolling or some icing or heating, whatever I need to do to my physical vessel so it is relaxed. So my mind, my brain, my central nervous system and peripheral nervous system can rejuvenate and can restore and can go through its rinse cycle. Mm-hmm. The only way for our brain to detoxify is through sleep. Our kidneys have detoxification. Our liver has detoxification. We sweat. We can detoxify through all these areas of our body. But the only way for our brain to do that is through sleep. So I start my day by that night of sleep, if that makes sense. I prioritize my day by focusing on my sleep. So I Mm -hmm. do all these things. I sleep eight to nine hours. People look at me like I'm crazy, but that's what I need. That's what makes me feel like I'm at my best. Mm Mm-hmm. I say, I sleep nine hours. I go, how do you sleep nine hours? That's impossible. <laughs> I do it. I don't have social media. There's a start. I don't own cable television. There's a start. Mm. So you start looking at the way in which your lifestyle directly relates to your health style. You start to see some, some collaboration there, right? So I sleep nine hours. I don't set an alarm. If I need to set an alarm, it's like some nice lyric-free music. Mm. chill tempo down tempo something to just ease me into that morning space first thing i do i get up i use the restroom because that's detoxifying staying hydrated i then drink at least 16 if not 20 ounces of cold water jump starts my metabolism kit starts changes in my homeostatic set points gets things moving if you know what i'm saying i don't want to uh i don't interrupt you but is the cold specific is that better than lukewarm water or tea is something about cold that helps i prefer cold because i I, that's a great question i prefer cold 
because it jumps starts the metabolism even faster. Okay. Right. So anything that our body has to warm up or cool down, it's going to cause a change in the homeostatic set point. Okay. So our resting metabolic rate, not to get into a physiological conversation, our resting metabolic rate, our RMR, that's our set point. That's how we metabolize energy essentially. If you drink something colder than your own body temperature, then your body's going to have to warm up that fluid. Mm. If you drink something hotter than your own body temperature, your body has to cool down that fluid. Okay. So in the morning while I've been resting and my body temperature is elevated because of sleep and respiration and even some you know slight perspiration when we are sleeping and dreaming, I want to replenish my system. I've gone nine hours without water. In the middle mm. of the night, I'll wake up and take a few sips. But I'm trying to rehydrate ASAP, hmm. right? Yeah. Then I go, I do my 10-minute sit. That's essentially me in my own space taking my time to set my intentions, mm-hmm. to see where I'm at, to see how I'm going to respond. And by, sit, by sit, like is, this, is this a formal meditation or are you just setting your attention for the day here? I think it's a little bit of both. It's, it's, uh, it, it can be a form of meditation. It doesn't have to be. It is definitely setting an intention. It okay. is it is potentially even listening to what my mind is already conjuring up. It's paying attention to how I'm feeling physically. If I notice any tightness or discomfort or maybe I'm a little bit hungrier than I usually am or maybe I'm a little bit sleepy or maybe a dream comes up. It's really just a 10-minute observation session. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Okay. As opposed to being, you know, I'm formally doing meditation. I'm just going to sit down for 10 minutes and collect myself. Mm. I then go outside. I walk for at least 30 to 45 minutes around my neighborhood. And I have the luxury of doing that, which is, which is fantastic. I call it my adult walk. I used to think people were weird that they had to get up in the morning and go walk. I'm like, why would you (laughs) need to do that? As an athlete, I got enough steps in my life. I don't want to do that. I want to sit down and rest and relax because I'm sore. Why would I want to walk? Pandemic hits. It gives you an opportunity to change. So mm-hmm. I thought, all right, I'm going to go try walking every morning. Mm-hmm. And it's a brisk walk. It's not, I'm not running. I'm not strolling. It's, it's a nice, you know, casual okay. walk. If you and will. do you have, do you have headphones in there or is it just, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely not. No okay. way. No, okay. I, I'm trying to connect. I'm trying to transition from, you know, that, that sit I did to, okay, now I'm moving and now I'm in the, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the real world. I'm outside. I'm outside of my shelter. Right. Yeah. So I'm trying to be aware. I'm trying to listen. What are the birds doing? What's the wind doing? Mm-hmm. What What are the clouds doing? What's the earth doing? What like I'm trying to connect. I'm trying to get connected with myself and my planet, my home. Right. Yeah. And I return, get on an inversion table for a little bit, just to decompress the spine even further. I've had some some spine issues as of late. What's an inversion and table? I, it's the one where you, you hook your feet in and you go upside down and it decompresses okay. your, your spine a little bit. Yeah. Okay. okay. After that, I do about a 10, 12, sometimes 15-minute uh, restorative movement, which some people may call yoga. Um, I don't do it for the benefit of strength training per se. That's what I would use resistance for. Mm-hmm. This is simply just to open up my body, promote some mobility, some functional, um, some functional movement really. And then from there, I, I take a nice hot shower. At the end of that hot shower, I do contrast into cold shower for about the last one minute to 90, 90 seconds or so. All right, I got I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, but this is all fascinating, and I don't meet many. No I don't meet many people who 
do this kind of stuff too. So I have to keep asking. <laughs> um, sure. On the cold shower. So are you cranking it all the way to its coldest setting and trying to like slow your breath and get to the point where it, you know, you're getting comfortable with it? I just, I, I love cold exposure, but I've always found it easier to jump into a river or an oh, ice yeah. bath because oh, yeah. there's the, you know, the soft part of my mind is always just reaching for the handle as soon as I start, <laughs> as soon as I start sure. breathing hard, I'm like, oh God, back to hot, back to hot. So what does that look like at the end? Are you um, hitting all the way cold to where it's like really a shock or is it a cool shower? What does that look like at the end of your showers? Yeah, that's a great question. I, in general, I run hot. I, I've mm-hmm. got a high RMR that, like we talked about earlier. Um, I, I run warm. I've been told that. I know that. It's just the way it is. So, you know, I, I preface that because it may not be for everyone. I wouldn't suggest everyone just go into a shower and, you know, crank it down to cold and, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to feel amazing. Like that. that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just something that I've done for quite a while now. Yeah. And it for whatever reason i haven't read about it i haven't you know needed to do a study it makes me feel good and that goes back to pay attention to how you feel yeah prove it to yourself i'll take that hot shower i'll get nice and clean you know and then towards the end i'll put it down pretty low sometimes my hot shower isn't that hot so the contrast between quote-unquote hot shower and cold shower isn't that wide versus Mm -hmm. sometimes it is a you know pretty warm shower and when i go to cold it's it's a big difference, you know, and your body's like, wow. Yeah. But with that, it just makes me feel so alive and it just, it brings my energy right to the surface and I feel like I'm ready to charge the day, you know, and from there, then I go and, and fuel up. I didn't mention, I meant to say this, after that, that water and that sit before I step outside, I crush a banana every day, mm. every single day. Mm. Bananas are incredible. Gorillas only eat bananas and think about how strong they are and how mobile they are. I'm just saying there could be something to that. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I mean, they're yeah. amazing creatures. So that yeah. potassium and that that little bit of clean sugar in the morning, and it's got some fiber and it keeps things moving. It, that's just my thing. I, I, I eat like three or four bananas a day. So that's oh. what I do when I get back. Then I take a shower. Then I have my smoothie. My smoothie game is strong, and I'm proud <laughs> of it, and I've been developing it for a long, long time. And that's just the way I try to start each and every day. Now, when I travel, especially internationally, that's a little bit difficult to do, obviously, to to have your smoothie and to be on these routines. But again, Billy, now more than ever, it's just, you know, lean in even more and fine tune in your morning routine and, and being able to just get to know yourself physically and cognitively and emotionally and spiritually. Just if you don't know anything but yourself, I think that you're good to go. Mm. I think you're good to go. I think you are, you are educated in that manner because you can go to school and you can learn about anything. You don't even have to go to school and you can learn about anything. But if you don't know about yourself, if you don't connect with yourself and understand yourself, then what really do you know? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, it all comes down to how you feel. And if you don't feel good, it doesn't matter what you learned or what your job is. You're not going to want to do it. Yeah. So that's why I always prioritize myself first. And it's not to be selfish. It's just when I show up to do something, I know that my vessel is is all systems running. Mm-hmm. All systems running. An analogy I used the other day in one of my webinars this week, it just kind of came to me. I said, listen, if you are a race car driver 
and you show up to a race without tuning your vehicle, there's no chance. There's no chance you're ever even going to be able to compete. Mm-hmm. If we take that analogy and we use it and we apply it to our bodies, our bodies are fascinating organisms. And if they're not tuned up and you're not aware of what's lacking or where you need to add some more, then how are you ever going to be able to perform, let alone even compete at the highest level? Yeah. Well, that's, that's all fascinating. I love hearing about that stuff. What, what about caffeine? Mm. Great question. Great question. I do not utilize caffeine in the morning Okay. because I believe, and this is just me, this is from, you know, years and years of leaning in and paying attention. If my sleep is on point, and my morning sessions are where they need to be and my hydration levels are high and I've got my fuel. Honestly, Billy, I don't feel like I need it. Yeah. I feel supercharged when I'm coming out that door in the morning, like, yo, world, watch out. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need caffeine. Now, I understand the value and the benefit of caffeine as an ergogenic aid, meaning how it can increase your performance. How can it help with your workload? So Oftentimes, I'll consume either fresh pressed or pour over. I'm kind of a sort of a coffee snob. To, to me too, you know, man. I've got just, a whole ritual. Just throw, <laughs> just throw that out there. Yeah, yeah, just to throw that out it's, there. It's it's the right way to be. Let's be honest. But yeah, there's only it's the only way to do yeah, it. It's yeah. the only way to do it. But I'll sometimes utilize that as a tool, as a technique yeah. in the afternoon. Let's say so. As an example, today is Sunday. It's one thirty where I'm at, and I've done my morning routine. I feel great. And I'm going to have lunch here soon. And I won't drink. I won't consume caffeine because I don't feel like I need it. Yeah. Right. I don't feel like it's even necessary. So I truly believe that it's a supplement. I think caffeine is a supplement. I think even sometimes exercise, certain movements, strength training, weight training especially, should be a supplement. Protein Mm -hmm. is a supplement, right? If you have a shitty diet and you take protein as a supplement, what are you doing? You're supplementing a poor diet. Yeah. So why are you using a protein supplement? So thinking about caffeine as a supplement, thinking about kombucha as a supplement, there's all the probiotics that we have out there now. There's all these different things that we can utilize. But I always recommend, especially to athletes, high-level athletes, I always say, look, you got to start at the foundation. You got to make sure all your pillars are solid before you even think about adding in any type of supplement. Because if you don't, if you're not solid with your foundation and you start putting in supplements, you won't know where your baseline is. You won't know where to ever fall back onto if there is an issue. Mm. And you'll just be constantly chasing this, this wheel that you can't ever get ahead of. Mm. So making sure that your baseline is solid before you start adding these things in, to me, is super, super important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so I'm, I'm, I'm still curious. So you, you said that your morning routine starts the night before with a sleep routine, making sure you're getting optimal sleep. And you mentioned some stuff in passing about preparing for sleep. Um, this right. is something that I think I can I have room to improve in my evening routine. I'm wondering what kind of things you do or aspire to do on your best days. What are some of the things that are important to you for sleep prep? Number one, lighting. 
Okay. Number one. And that's, I've heard people I say think, like lighting matters even in the couple hours before sleep, like dimming your lights oh, yeah. makes a difference. Okay. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's huge. I would encourage people to use candles. I, that's a mm-hmm. shout out to my mother. She has always had a candle in the house and it's, it's, it's incredible. It's one of the most, um, simplistic forms of light that we have is fire. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and our brains from an evolutionary perspective are more used to that hue, that intensity, even that structure often fire that is, then it, then it's used to lights that are above us that are coming from fluorescent bulbs or neon or LCD screens through blue light transmission. Mm-hmm. So I'm super old school in that fashion, literally and figuratively utilizing fire, utilizing candle and salt lamps as a way to transition myself into the evening. I'm a big proponent in having my blinds open at night. This may not be for everybody, depending on where they reside. Luckily, I have a, I have a, I have a really nice view that when the sun drops on the west side of my house, that's my living space. And I try to gauge as that sun is dropping how much light I need inside my home. Mm-hmm. So there's not a, a very big differentiation between what's outside and what's inside, which helps a lot in that transition to, to eventually going to sleep. I try to stay away from blue light. I try to be off devices. Now, as a prof, sometimes that's difficult. You're answering an email, you're putting in grades, you're running research protocol, you're setting up a presentation. It can be difficult, yeah. but I truly believe if you pay attention during the day to those hours and those minutes and you work smart, not hard, you'll have an opportunity to shut things down when they should be shut down. Mm-hmm. And so those questions help getting you closer and closer into that horizontal, you know, the horizontal position of, of laying flat, laying flat on your back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did mention I'll, I'll do some light stretches that, that just depends on you know how I'm feeling physically. I'll utilize a foam roller if I need it. I'll utilize some heat more, more often than not on the low back. I'll then sometimes use some ice on my cervical spine area. Just whatever I need that I, that I think is going to make is going to ensure that I'm going to sleep my best. I will I will go ahead and do it. I put a bolster under my knee. We're going to talk about the the biomechanics of of sleeping. Mm-hmm. I think that's understudied. I think it's undervalued. Yeah. I don't think people realize how important their mattress is, how important their sheets are, how important their pillow is. Mm. I don't think people know. I don't I don't even think people even think twice about that yeah but if i'm spending nine hours in that thing every night you bet your ass it's gonna be a cadillac (laughs) yeah you know what i'm saying like that's so important i know if i don't feel right when i wake up man it's a it's a constant battle to try to get ahead of that but if i feel good in the morning let's go yeah let's ride yeah, and all that stuff compounds on itself. You wake up in the morning feeling good, and then you have a productive day. You feel better about being disciplined about an evening routine, and then exactly. you just know you're on the path. And that kind of it's like a snowball effect in either direction. I've found. Um, what about alcohol? Or where yeah, I've heard you talk about alcohol and the way that I think of it already in this episode, in terms of how much do you consume? Do you sometimes have alcohol socially? What do you recommend for athletes? Um, what, what's your take on 
the way our culture views alcohol and how you think it should be skillfully used, if at all, or maybe you don't, maybe you're against it altogether. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, great question. And this comes up in my Pillars of Health course, because I think at a certain point in the semester, my students start looking at me like, I mean, does he ever eat a cheeseburger? Does he ever <laughs> have ice cream? Will he drink a beer ever? Has he ever done anything ever? And the answer is yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. I'm a human, right? With that, I treat alcohol just like I treat caffeine, just like I treat protein supplementation, just like I treat kombucha and creatine. It's a supplement. Mm-hmm. It's a supplement. And everything in moderation can be good for you, all right? Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, what would I recommend to athletes? They got to prove that to themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's a loaded question. And I'm not even going to really go down that because it's two hours. That's a two-hour conversation yeah. as far as where where are they developmentally, where are they cognitively, where are they physically, what are they doing emotionally, what's their mental health like or their cognitive well-being, what's their parental influence, what are their teammates and coaches and staff and athletic trainers telling them, how are they – you see what I'm saying? That's a, that's a, yeah. that's a long that's a long, that's a long road. Um, personally, supplement. I've traveled overseas quite a bit. I think red wine is fantastic. Do I have a a rack of 30 bottles in my house? No. I think there's like one right now that's that's unopened. And it, mm. it, it probably won't be open. And I don't have a plan. You know what I mean? I'm not like, oh, yeah, tonight I'm going to have 3.2 ounces of red wine. Yeah. I just – I kind of let it flow, you know. And if someone – comes over with some craft coffee and happen, you know, two weeks later, someone drops me off some craft beer. Of course I'm going to try it. It's going to be, it's going to taste great. I don't drink coffee every day. That's out of a Folgers cup. No knock on Folgers, just as an example. Yeah. I don't drink that every morning because I need it. I don't drink Bud Light. No knock on Bud Light because I need it. I'm a snob when it comes to coffee. And I, if I'm going to have some alcohol in my system, it better be craft. Mm-hmm. That's just the way I look at it. Yeah. I wouldn't put, diesel gasoline in a ferrari i'm not saying i'm a ferrari but i feel like i'm a high-tuned machine to where everything i put in my system it matters and that's how aware i am of my system and i'm not saying that arrogantly believe me that that has taken a long long time to realize everything you consume again we mentioned it earlier not just nutritionally or hydrationally Everything you consume, if it's through a screen, if it's through a headphone, if it's through a billboard, whatever it is, it has an effect on you. Mm. So I want to make sure that to feel my best, to ensure that my performance is at its highest, I'm going to make sure what I'm consuming is also at its highest. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That sounds like, yeah, it's moderation. It's not a habit, but it's something that you can enjoy skillfully from now and again. That's, Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds great. And so recently I actually wrote a blog post and I finally, after many kind of like getting off of it and then relapsing, getting off of it, I actually just like permanently deleted my social media accounts, my personal ones. And since then I've had, because I'm, I'm in this process of developing, you know, what might become a business, at least a, a, like a passion project. And people are saying, oh, you're not going to be on social media? Like, how are you going to do it? And I actually understand that opinion and how it is a sacrifice in some way. But the more I've learned about it and the more I've paid attention, like we've said, to my own mind when I use those products, 
and just the, the evidence coming back on how they're affecting people, I've, I became convinced that it, it's not a trade-off that's worth it for me. Um, so right. I'm, you mentioned in passing that you're not on social media at all. Were you ever on social media and why are you not right now? I think in high school is when Facebook started, you know, doing its thing for me, for yeah. my cohort. And I never really, w- I never really was like a techie kid. I was outside. I told you I was building ramps. I was jumping off stuff. I was, you know, what I, I was just outside. I never really thought that it was cool to be on a computer or like cool to play video games. Mm-hmm. I, that that wasn't really. I, I thought it was boring. I literally thought it was boring. On top of that, my mom never really ha- allowed us to have video games. She thought, I was like, what are you guys doing? Go outside. Mm-hmm. So that was already conditioned in me. And then high school rolls around and like my space starts popping off. I'll probably date myself. Facebook starts popping off a little bit. <laughs> and then I can get into college. And, and I kid you not, I'll never forget this. My freshman and sophomore year of college, this was not that long ago. We would ride the shuttle from our apartment into campus and people would be talking. People would have conversations. Hey, how was your weekend? Hey, nice to meet you. I'm so-and-so. I'm, I'm with this team. Oh, I work with – I surfed here. I did it. Right? It, it was community-based. By junior year, I'll never forget this. I was on the shuttle bus. I happened to look down. They had like a high seat and a low seat. I happened to look down and this girl, this student, was touching the screen of her phone. And I'm like – Yo, what? What is that? <laughs> it was iPhone. It was the first iPhone, iPhone 1. I think they just called it iPhone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, that is crazy. At the time, I had a flip phone. Matter of fact, I had a flip phone all the way up till 2016. Mm-hmm. I've only owned an iPhone for four years. Mm-hmm. So I say that to say I was never really involved in it from the jump. So it, I didn't, I didn't, I never had that attachment, that, that feeling of, um, that rootedness of this is the way I define myself or this is the way I projected myself or this is the way I advertise myself or whatever. So for me not to have social media now, it's, it's easy. It's really all I know. I never, I never knew about it. So I, you know, it's not like a big deal. It's a big deal for my students. It's a big deal for people. When I say I'm not on social media, they're like, what are you kidding me? But (laughs) It's, you know, I recently created LinkedIn as of, I don't even know, six months ago, like the, like the start of the, of the, of the pandemic. I like made up LinkedIn, I think maybe it was even like eight months, let's say, I don't even remember, yeah but I use that as my professional platform. I really use it as a way to get some information out to people that are inquisitive about mindfulness-based performance optimization or about education in general, or want to connect on levels of, hey, performance op, what do you know about this? Or we want to invite you here to come speak. So Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, what am I missing? I'm sure I'm missing Twitter. something. Yeah. Twitter, yeah, Twitter. Yeah. I don't have any of that. I, I just never really, I never really got into it. I never really felt like I needed it. You know, more people tell me, Billy, that it's bad than it's good. So yeah. with that, you know, making a personal account forward underscore Dyke, like that. I don't know. Like I, what, what the hell would that do for me? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And 
and you know I, I own an iPhone and the thing is on silent my friends and my family will tell you this good luck getting a hold of me because yeah. I, I just don't I'm not driven by my devices I am super grateful that Steve Jobs was on our planet because what he did with personal computing and Bill Gates as well is, is, is amazing how we can have this conversation right now, how we can yeah. go on to the device and search anything in the world and, and learn about all these cultures and languages and music and photos. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So I use it as a tool. I use it as kind of like my analogies earlier as a supplement. Yeah. But social media to me, I don't know from, from a personal account standpoint, I don't know. What's that going to do for me? Now, if, if you're talking about from a business standpoint or you want to create a platform for social injustice or racial equality or environmental activism. All right, let's talk about that because that's a way that you can make a change. That's a way that you can impact millions and millions of people because all those people are on those platforms. That's a super long answer to your question. About no, no, media, but it's all great. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think there is, I read this book, um, Ted, there's Jaron, Jaron Lanier wrote a book about social media. He was one of the kind of pioneers of the internet and he recommends that people get off social media. And his book was really kind of the, what did it for me when he, he actually brought up some of the things that you mentioned about activism and political movements and how, you know, he, he laid out in like very clear detail how even the algorithms are driving people. They're like amplifying the more extreme version of everything, no matter what it is. And so it's it's turning right. it's turning what should be like positive, healthy things into almost like parodies of themselves in the minds of the people who aren't perfectly aligned with them. And he thinks that's what's making our communication so difficult, or one of the things that's making our communication so difficult. In the modern it's era. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Algorithms are crazy. Yeah, you know what I mean, like the fact that you can put a thumbs up on, let's say, something like Pandora, and you get more songs like that. To me, people don't really think about what goes into that. Yeah, but it's also in Facebook. It's also in Instagram. And I believe me, I don't have any beef like with these companies. I, I don't. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah, it's just mind blowing how influenced we become by algorithms. Yeah. And how people are so disconnected when they say, oh, we're so connected. We're connected more than ever before. No, we're not. We're connected <laughs> with what? With what? Devices? Right. But how disconnected are we physically, cognitively, emotionally, spiritually with ourselves and with others? Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. I guarantee if you went to UNF right now and you got on one of those shuttle buses, every single one of those students would have their heads down, headphones in, probably staring at their screen until the door open and they went right to their class where they go into their classroom same thing until the professor says something the professor dismisses the class they get back on the device and they go back it's just it's crazy yeah. it's so crazy it really is and that's why i've you know i've in my own case I've a little bit of humility around these things that they actually are so addictive and so powerful that i actually have to create boundaries for myself because like you said it's everything it's a supplement in moderation like you said, like recording a podcast like this is awesome or you know, there's amazing things that can be done. But you really, I think that the modern struggle is is resisting all of the the entertainment and distraction that's available on these things. Social media gets me hyped a little bit, as you can tell, just from that response. It's, yeah. I, I don't know. I just see like how so many people are just, <sighs> controlled is a strong word, um, but 
influenced how so many people are influenced and how that affects the rest of their day and how that eventually changes their own health and wellness. To me, it's like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. What is, what is your current meditation practice like? Yeah. Great question. So it really depends daily. It's consistent with that 10 minute session in the morning. And while I did say that isn't, let's say like a formal meditation, it can, it can become it. And you know, if there, if there is a, a timer involved, it's a little bit more formal. If there is a specific breathing technique that I'm trying to train myself, then it, to me, it's a little bit more formal. Um, I like to actually utilize mindful movement. Mm-hmm. I'm a proponent of, of moving through spaces and being as present as possible. It's very difficult. It's a very challenging practice, um, yeah. but it, it's, uh, it's very beneficial, I think, in the long run because to me as a kinesiologist and as an athlete growing up and, and an athlete right now, I, I mean, you got to move. Everything we do as athletes, we utilize our body. And so if I can be moving and be mindful, then when I go to train or when I go to compete, all right, I've already done this before. Mm -hmm. I've already been in this space before. So I utilize mindful movement a lot. I utilize uh, restorative movement. And uh, like I said, people would would call yoga. And then just standard flat on my back, or seated up on a cushion or standing. So seated standing or, um, or supine, which is lying flat. Um, deep breathing is, is definitely a, a large part of my practice. And oftentimes just trying to separate myself, trying to become like a bird in the sky. Like, can I get my consciousness above me and look back down on me and try to just be as non-judgmental, non-reactive, non-identifiable, paying attention, noticing, allowing, accepting, welcoming, anything and everything that comes into, into my space. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's that's great. I've been and I've been trying to along those lines blend what my formal seated practice I, I just I'm trying to be a little bit less um categorical with sure. meditation and mindfulness where okay, I'm meditating now so I'm being mindful, but as soon as I get up, I'm throwing earphones in and I'm distracting myself like trying to take that attitude into the rest of my day has been something i've been trying to challenge myself with lately so i think that's great okay and then what about so i talked to bill or what do you call him willie b well willard johnson i call him willie willie j (laughs) willie J. J. (laughs) yeah he wants to go by bj now though he's trying he said i'm trying to get that name up i'm trying to get bj out there i said all right bro all right i'll remember that and he seems like just a fascinating, cool guy that I, disco- oh, yeah, I discovered him incredible. with the, uh, that Atlantic piece, which was amazing where he's the program he's starting out there is in Tibet is amazing. And if anyone, all my listeners, I interviewed, um, the writer who wrote that piece on, I think it was episode 15. You can check out that if you want to hear about like how popular basketball is in Tibet anyway, but he, he actually, so I mentioned to him that I was a little bit bummed that I, I was missing out on some of that like competitive rush or the aspect of competition that I'd missed for the last few years since retiring from basketball. And he, right. and he was like, Oh, you should look at handball because me and some of my friends are deep into handball. And so I saw that you, are you on the like USA handball team? Uh, I've been training. Hear. I've been training since 2013. Okay. And are you, so how much of, 
how big of a part of your life is that? Is that something that you're training for year round? When are the competitions? I'm just curious. I watched a little bit on YouTube, like a match, and um, it seems like kind of a fascinating subculture in athletics that I had not, I was not aware of. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I give you the backstory on it because I do think it's it's pretty interesting how this whole thing came about. I mentioned that I was not a collegiate athlete, and with that, you know, I've always stayed in shape, always been active, whether it was with surfing, skateboarding, biking, hooping on the weekend, whatever, racquetball, whatever it was, yeah. flag football, even. Um, I got to my master's program, and the USOPC was having a site visit, United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. They had a site visit to Auburn University, and the site visit was for them to decipher where they wanted to establish their residency program. So in 2013, they were looking to start a brand new residency program in um, contingency for 2016 Rio and 2020 Tokyo. Mm. So 2013 rolls around. I'm a master's student. My supervisor at the time, I mentioned Dr. Miller, he had to go out of town and he said, Hey, I can't present to the USOPC, but I'd love, you know, if you could, share with them what we do in our lab. They're interested from a research standpoint. I'm like, all right, cool. And I'm not even thinking about, you know, competing. I, I didn't even know what handball was. Mm-hmm. And so I'm developing this presentation. I start Googling handball. Like, oh, this sport is dope. Like, this is a real deal. Mm. It kind of has everything that, as an American athlete, we do growing up, running, jumping, catching, throwing, all rolled into one sport, which is is fascinating. And how atomic it is at the international level it's like the nba overseas you know it is Mm. is massive sport over there just behind football handball derived from football and Mm. we can talk about that later if you'd like so here i am as as a puppy dog presenting to the usopc and i'm thinking to myself i don't even know what i'm really saying right now but hopefully this is going well (laughs) it's like it's like one of my first main presentations that threw me in the water either you sink or swim I think I started to swim a little bit. Afterwards, the head coach comes up to me. Javier Garcia Cuesta, at the time, the longest head coach in the sport ever. He's coached for multiple countries, Egypt, Brazil, Spain, the States. He's been to the Olympics himself as a handball athlete back in the 70s and 80s. He's been to the Olympics as a coach. I mean, this is the real deal. This is like the LBJ of of handball coaching, right? Mm. So. He comes out to me. He's from Spain. He's like, I really enjoyed your presentation. Um, it was a Friday afternoon. He said, there's a tryout tomorrow. I think you should come. I'm like, oh, coach, you know, hey, with all due respect, I'm here for my master's degree. And, and you know, I, I don't really know much about this sport. And he kind of just like looked at me like that stimulus response, right? He looked at me <laughs> and he goes, he hits me on the shoulder. He goes, it's okay. I'll teach you. And he just walks out. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Like this guy – He's the real deal. That sounds so like home. that sounds like the like one of the opening scenes from a movie or something. Oh yeah, like Rocky style, right? Yeah. Like, it's okay, Grasshopper. I'll teach you. So I go home. I did a little bit more research on the sport because I wanted to figure out. All right, if I'm going to this trial in the morning, I better at least know two of the rules, you know. So go to the tryout. Things I guess went well. He comes up to me afterwards and says, "You know, we're, we're really interested in." And having you in the residency program, we'll, we'll have about 20 athletes here and uh, we'll be in touch. And he just kind of like leaves. I'm like, mm. oh man, that's crazy. And what's wild, you bring this up, Billy. The other day I looked at a journal that I journaled my entire master's degree. Mm. That was just something I wanted to do and I did it. And I flipped open and there it was. 
it was like July 13, 2013. And it was tryout day, and I read it, and I was like, wow, it was like such a blast from the past. Mm. But I say all that to say that sport for me has taken me to 20 plus, 25 something countries and competing on the international level and meeting the people I've met and, you know, experiencing the things I've experienced while plane rides are long and bus rides are early and, you know, hotels are hotels. The, the experience that I've gained through that and to be able to represent Team USA at the international level is the most humbling and most enriching thing that I think I've ever done in my life. Wow. And it's something that I close, I hold very close to my heart. And yeah, the, the teammates, Willard Johnson being one of them, there's a whole laundry list of them. He was in the residency with me. He came about a year, six to eight months after it started, I want to say. Just the people I've met and the stories and it, it, it's awesome. I mean, putting on red, white, and blue, hearing the national anthem, and going out there and competing against people that have played this sport since they're two, three, four, five years old. Hmm. I mean, it, it's it's incredible. I didn't start playing until I was 24, I think it was. Hmm. I did my math correctly on that, 23, 24. And it's it's amazing to, to go out there and to see the commitment that these international athletes have. And, you know, it's a sport we don't really know about in the States. Hmm. and we think it's like the ball against the wall like oh handball like you hit a ball against the wall that's what i thought when he mentioned it i was like you're talking about p handball and, and then yeah, yeah yeah but it's it's a whole other it's a whole other thing and and now being involved with with beach handball as well it's there's two disciplines there's it's team handball and there's a discipline of indoor and there's a discipline of beach hmm. and both disciplines have their own rules and regulations and courts and, net and everything's a little bit different but yeah just to be able to for that to come into my tapestry and at the moment to say yes, it's something that I don't think I'd honestly be sitting here talking to you if it wasn't for that moment. Like seriously, that's how many things have, have transpired from that initial, all right, I'll go to this tryout. Wow. And just kept saying yes. Yeah. And then, you know, being a graduate student athlete as a master's student, transitioning into my PhD and still training at the elite level and now as a professor still training at the elite level it's something that it really makes me feel like wow i wake up in the morning and you know that's the reason i do that routine that's the reason Mm. i take these things so seriously not only from my education and my terminal degree but if i'm going out there putting on that red white and blue i better make sure that i'm representing my country to the highest level and take these things as serious as i can because I didn't play this sport since I was three years old. So right then and there, I'm already facing an uphill battle. Yeah. So I got to try to get ahead of my opponent in anything and everything I can do to make sure I can compete. Well, Jesus, bro, that was quite a sales pitch. That sounds awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so come on you, you should be You should be the spokesman for the sport. That's, yeah. I, I'm trying to play right now. Uh, for sure. That's awesome. And yeah, it's interesting you said about the how it's in, influencing your routine that's something that I've felt since graduating from basketball is, you know, when I was in it, when I'd practice it, fucking whatever, 4.30 in the morning, I was waking up and I had a chem- oh, yeah. chemi- chemistry test. And it was it was like, when you're in it, you're so like, oh, I cannot wait to be a normal person when this is all over sometimes. Like, just want to be able to do what everyone else does. But now that I'm outside, you know, grass is always greener. Now it's like, ah, oh, it'd be kind of nice to have an, a, re- a real 
like some healthy pressure to perform still in my life physically. Cause I sure, still, yeah. I, you know, I still have career goals and intellectual goals, but without that, you know, I was into you know, compound weightlifting for a while and that was fun for how long it lasted. But I, you know, I, I didn't want to just keep being a gym bro forever. And, and like, um, it'd be nice to have some of that external pressure physically to do the right things, to skip that last glass of wine and to get to bed and to all of that. Like the, that's something that I've missed. So yeah, I'll that's have cool. to, I'll have to, um, keep asking you and, and Bill or, or Willard is about how I could maybe get into that. He also talked about how he had so much fun playing professional basketball overseas. And that's something that I still think about just the way he was sleeping on couches, traveling around playing for the love of the game. I think that's so cool. His story is unreal. I mean, I, yeah. I love that kid. He, and when he gets me going, I just, it's just, Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's incredible. Yeah. I told him he's, he's invited on the podcast. He said he's, he's gathering his thoughts, but that'll be a fun one for sure. Oh yeah. So, okay. Well, I'm taking almost two hours of your time. Thank you so much for your time. You, you you have time for a few rapid fire questions. Yeah, go for it. Hit me up. All right. What book do you most often recommend to others these days? Uh, Steve Jobs or Shoe Dog. Okay. From Phil Knight, the story of Nike. Cool. I haven't read either of those. That was two books. That wasn't one, but whatever. No, no, it's perfect. Uh, Kobe, LeBron, or Jordan? Oh, man. Yes. (laughs) Good, good. (laughs) It's the best answer yet. (laughs) That's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) What are you most disgusted by? Snakes, rats, or spiders? Snakes eat rats. Spiders don't bother me. I'd go with rats. Rats are just gross. I'm with you there. Yeah. Yeah, they're just rodents. Yeah. Favorite musical artist right now? Oh, man. Favorite musical artist right now. That's so hard. Um, we didn't even talk about music, really. Um, All right, maybe I can simplify it. If you were getting in your car right now, who do you think you'd go to to listen to? If I was getting in the whip right now, I would put on. Uh, you don't understand. Like if I if I showed you my Apple Music, I mean it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I put on some Boney James right now. Okay, just some smooth jazz. Nice, nice. I'm not yeah. familiar, but nice. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. You just got to keep it smooth. All right. Yeah, I like that. All right, if someone wanted to be successful in your field, what advice would you give him or her for getting started? Uh, that's a phenomenal question, Billy. In my field as a kinesiologist, in my field as... as yeah, just uh, in the space that you're in, um, okay. more, more professionally than in handball. Okay, professionally. Um, and your question was, what, what advice would I give them to start? Yeah, maybe like someone who's entering college, a young person who's interested in this stuff who would like to have a tip on how to um, get into the field and be successful. Yeah, I would I would advise them to talk to as many people as possible that are currently in the field. So put yourself out there, you know, feel make yourself feel exposed, make yourself feel uncomfortable because we we grow a lot when we're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. and try to get as many informational interviews as you can with people that are currently in the field from different institutions, from industry, from private consultation, whatever they're a part of. 
try to get as much as you can from their stories to be able to to learn what they've done and how they did it because everyone's story is so different. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I I didn't even think I was going to go to college and to think that I finished with a PhD is, it wasn't really in my GPS necessarily, but Mm -hmm. now looking back, it kind of makes sense. So you never really know where you're headed, but if you, if you know where you are right now, you know where you're going. And if you can learn from others, then that road and, and that, uh, that software program is going to be, it's going to be much higher than, than I think you you would if you didn't have a, a guiding light for you. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's great advice. Okay. Well, if somebody, and then you've got this, I didn't talk to you about your company, but if somebody wanted to work with you or learn more about what you do, is it called, it pronounced perform humans, perform humans. That is correct. Yeah. Perform humans. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's essentially adding the human element back into performance. Cool. Okay. And so if anyone wants to look you up and see what you do. And I think you have services there too, that you offer. So you can get Correct. It. Yep. Uh, I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, also link to the, some of the books and music that you talked about. So if anyone's interested, they can find it there for, it's been so nice to meet you virtually. And thank you for being so generous with your time. It was, I didn't expect it to take this long, but I was so interested that we just kept rolling. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure, Billy. I really enjoyed it as well. You're a phenomenal host and you pulled all the good stuff out of me. So thank you, sir. I appreciate the invite. You got it. Yeah, we'll have to be in touch and do a part two someday. So. Oh, definitely. Okay. Take care for it. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye. If you like the podcast, please consider subscribing to my newsletter, which you can find at billyhanson.net forward slash newsletter. This is the best way to stay in contact with my work, as I'll be sending out new podcast announcements along with other written content. You can also support the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, or sending the podcast to someone who you think might like it. Thank you for listening and for your support. It's a sauce.